Good morning and welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together, shall we, as our campuses join us and uh, recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning, as well as those over in Appleton and Stevens Point. Good morning to all of you and all the people who watch us on television every weekend in central and north central Wisconsin. Um, this weekend, I was uh, with uh, Navy SEALs out east, uh, the frogmen, they call them, with uh, them and their spouses and working with those couples. And uh, it was a great experience. And afterwards, we're hanging by the pool, you know, it's like... Oh, dude, <laughs> these boys are seriously ripped, man. <laughs> it's like, who looks like that? Good Lord. You know, usually I'm texting my wife, I wish you were here. I'm going, thank God you're not here. You know? <laughs> it's like, man, that's depressing. But it's not like I don't look like that anymore. I never look like that. Who looks like that? <laughs> it's slightly depressing, I got to tell you. Anyway, God bless those guys and for what they do. We're in a series entitled Losers of the Bible, uh, not to be disrespectful to these men in the Bible. These are some of the greatest men in the history of mankind, but at times they were really losers or suffered uh, greatly in their lives. Some of them made huge mistakes, uh, but yet to press through them and God used them. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Moses. Um, it took 80 years before God shows up and starts using Moses. A uh, lesson in patience for sure. Uh, David was uh, very different. He starts out great, but then he suffers terribly. As Saul tries to kill him and everything goes wrong in his life. But yet God pulls him through. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about Samson. Now, Samson, if there is anybody in the Bible who really is a loser, it's Samson. <laughs> He's, he's, this is not a good deal. There's really nothing about Samson's life that you would want your children to emulate. This boy had issues and struggled greatly. Now, this is found in the book of Judges in the Old Testament. So this is after Moses brings the people out of Israel. Uh, this is before David kills Goliath as one of the kings of Israel. David was the second king of Israel. This is the in-between time after they come into the uh, promised land and got established and God basically makes a covenant with them says listen if you will honor me I will bless you beyond measure but if you dishonor me and rebel against me I will kick your butt and that's a lot of the old testament is just watching that cycle over and over again they'd be really disobedient God would kick their butts they'd cry out God help us and God would help them and then they were good and then they forget about God and start disobeying God and God would kick their butt this thing just goes over over and over and over again uh, this is uh, during I would call kind of Israel's dark ages this is a very brutal time of life it's thousands of years ago I don't know if the time from 3,000 maybe uh, no it's more than that four and a half thousand uh, but uh, it's it's uh, 
people are very, it's very tribal. People are extremely violent. Um, people are at their worst. Uh, the Bible says that this is a period in Israel's history where people just did whatever was right in their own eyes. That's what the Bible says, which sounds a lot like today. People don't really care what the Bible says. You can tell them, you know, the Bible says this, and they go, well, yeah, but I think, really? What do you mean you think? Uh, so people think because they think that their thinking is greater than the truth of God's revealed word, which is a big mistake. It is not, despite how brilliant you may think you are. But that's how everybody lived their lives, and it was a mess. Uh, we pick up the story about Samson in uh, uh, the 13th chapter of Judges. And it says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And that phrase is found over and over and over throughout the Old Testament. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord kicks her butts. He delivers them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. For 40 years, the Philistines are oppressing them. Now, a certain man named Zorah, a, a man of Zorah named Manoah, from the clan of the Danites, had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now, see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is a, to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. And that was one of the signs they, from their birth. They never cut their hair. I don't know how long their hair would get, but, you know, wow. Uh, so uh, he, will lead, he will take the lead in delivering Israelite, Israel from the hand of the Philistines. That was the promise. Very next verse now, boom, we jump uh, to chapter 14, verse 1, where we're going to pick it up. It says, Samson went down to Timnah, and there saw a young Philistine woman. So uh, chapter 13, if you read to the end of it, basically ends telling how she gives birth to this kid. And then boom, it jumps to, you know, now he's a young man. We don't know how old it is he is. We don't, the Bible doesn't say. Uh, if, if it's important, it says it. Otherwise, it doesn't give a lot of detail. As I've said many, 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 many times, and will continue to say till I die, a lot of people say that, you know, the Bible's a book of stories. It's not a book of stories. If it's a book of stories, these are the worst storytellers in the history of mankind. They give no detail. You don't, you don't get a lot of the drama. You don't, it reads more like a police report, the Bible, historically. This happened, and that happened. This person guy did it, and that, So it's just very much to the point. And that's what we're reading. So all of a sudden, boom, he's a man. We don't know how old. He goes down and sees this young Philistine chick. Now, they're not supposed to be with Philistine chicks. They're supposed to be with their own people. As one of the rules God laid down, but he didn't listen. When he returns after seeing this little cutie pie, he says to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now go get her. <laughs> go get her. I want that one. Well, his mother and father said, well, isn't there an acceptable woman among your own relatives or among your own people? Why must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines, which they're not supposed to do, to get a wife? But Pat Samson says, get her for me. She's the right one for me. As many young people are delusionally in their thinking, thinking that they found the one, that one magic one. And of course, it's really bad today in our culture, in our secular culture, all the chick flicks have, you know, the, the soulmate, that one special idiot above all the other idiots that's just right for them. And, and then Christianity takes the same stupidity and we spiritualize it. We say God has created one special person just for you. You young people, listen to me. That is not true. Marriage is a choice. It's your choice. Use your brain. Listen to people around you. Make a good decision. Find someone to do life with. 
God, you know, and I've even seen this in Bible colleges where they teach in the material. God has ordained one special person for everybody. It is a lie. It is a misstatement. It is false. And listen, this is how absurd it is. All it would take is for one person to get it wrong and the whole system would collapse. Seriously. I mean, if Bob is supposed to marry Mary, but instead he marries Sarah, what's Mary supposed to do? Oh, now Mary marries Jim, who's supposed to marry Juliet. Now what's Juliet supposed to do? And then Juliet marries Fred, who's supposed to marry Wilma. That's where we get the Flintstones. Everything is wrecked. <laughs> All it takes is for one, the chance that just one person gets it wrong is absurd. It is a patently absurd uh, way of thinking. It's a terrible theory. It's not, it just has no, no, no truth in it at all. Use your brain. Be smart, okay? Make the best choice you can, and you find someone to do life with. And then shut up. <laughs> you picked them, shut up, all right? Now, we'll help you, but still shut up. All right. So anyway, so Samson, he goes down to Timnah together with his mom and dad. And as they approach the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion comes roaring toward him. Now, again, the storyline isn't, it's kind of chopped the way the Bible reads, especially, these are really old documents. This is thousands, five, six thousand years ago. Uh, so it's not quite telling. What happens is he gets away from his mom and dad when this happens, which we find out later. Uh, so he's not with his mom and dad. So He's on the journey with his mom and dad, but at some point, Samson comes loudly gagging around and looks up, and this lion comes roaring at him. Well, I'm sure he goes, ah! And the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. <laughs> Weird analogy. I don't know how hard it is to tear a young goat. I'd be putting on the goat's head. Come on, what's the matter with you? So I don't know. Apparently, apparently it was easy to tear a goat apart. Uh, the goats I've met in my life are very strong and stubborn. So I don't know the analogy. But we do admit that a lion is considerably much more trouble than a stubborn goat. Anyway, he takes this line, and I'm sure to his shock and amazement, the Bible never said that God would make him strong. He didn't, all his mom said is, God's going to use you someday. Now, this has nothing to do with Israel. He's just freaking out because the lion's coming at him. He rips it to pieces, and I'm sure it just freaks the willies out of him. How did that happen? Now, you have to understand, when you see movies of Samson, it's always a super buff, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of cat, you know. But if he would have looked like that, I'm pretty sure the Bible would have said it because the Bible's always very clear to describe people if there's something unusual about their appearance. But there's no such remarks about Samson. He could have been like me. <laughs> He could have been like anybody, where no one would have really thought anything of it. He was Mr. Normal-looking guy. And all of a sudden, boom, the power of God falls on him, and he rips this line to shreds like, wow. Well, it says he didn't tell his mom and dad what he'd done. Um, I'm sure he's probably freaked out until processing it. Verse 7, then he went down and talked with the woman uh, that he saw, and he liked her uh, on, on Facebook, I guess. And just, you know, <laughs> Click. I like you. Well, so sometime later they work the whole deal out and he goes back to marry this chick. And then on the trip back down, he turns aside, he wants to go check out this lion's carcass again because he's still like, wow, that was amazing. And now, you know, this thing's been rotten for who knows how long. Uh, he goes in 
and he sees a swarm of bees and they've built a, a hive of it and the honey's inside the lion. So he scoops out the honey with his hands and he eats some and he went on. And then when he rejoins his parents, he gave them some, they ate it too. But he didn't tell them where he got it from, from the lion's carcass. Now his father went down to see the woman and worked out all the details and there, and there Samson held a feast as was customary for the young men. It's basically the uh, bachelor's party. This has been customary for thousands of years. All the young guys get together. <laughs> so they all get together and, uh, and when the people saw him, they, they chose 30 men to be his companions. Talk about a big wedding party. Holy cow. So there's 30 guys and then Samson says, hey you guys, let me tell you a riddle. Now, if you can guess the answer within seven days of the feast, I'll give you 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes, which was like the money of the day kind of thing. If you can't tell me, then you got to give that to me. Of course, the young guys, you know, young guys, they always think they can do anything. Yeah, go ahead. Tell us your riddle. Let's hear it. Come on. Give it to us. So, he replied, here's the riddle. Out of the eater, which was the lion, something to eat. Out of the strong... The lion, something sweet, which was the honey. Well, for three days, they couldn't give an answer. They didn't know what the heck he was talking about. And they were totally stumped. Well, they're freaking out. Now, on the fourth day, now remember, the way this works out is that the minute you are agreed to be married to someone, they are automatically called their wife or their husband. They haven't been together yet, but it's just a matter of formality. They get together and they do this, this extended party uh, which even until Jesus' day, you remember the first time he did a miracle, water into wine. Is that the party had been gone for days, they ran out of wine. So these guys, you know, so it was a big deal. In this case, it was seven days where they would party for seven days. Then at the very end, then husband and wife and get out of here. All right. So, uh, so on the fourth day, these guys that were really frustrated come to Samson's wife, not like we would think of, but, you know, fiance still at this point. Coax your husband into explaining the riddle for us. Or... We will burn you and your husband's household to death. <laughs> Seriously, and these boys have issues. Now you have to remember, this is very tribal, very brutal. This is like the darkest of dark ages. This, you see, you know, movies of, you know, Vikings or different stuff like that. And, it, you know, this, this is like, this is what life was like. Very brutal, very dark, very awful. So their way of dealing with their frustrations, we're going to burn you and your dad to death and the whole family, if you don't tell us the riddle, because they don't want to lose this money. All right? So verse 16. Then Samson's wife threw herself on him, sobbing. You hate me. You hate me. You don't really love me. You've given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. And he says, well, I haven't even told my mom and dad. Why should I explain it to you? And the Bible says she cried the whole seven days of the feast. Oh, that had to get old, man. Every day. That was just day one. On the seventh day, he finally told her because she continued to press him. And then she in turn then told the riddle to the guys. Well, before sunset on the seventh day, the guy of the town got together and said, okay, what is sweeter than honey? And what is stronger than a lion? Well, right away, no, Samson knows that she gave him up. And he says to them, if you had not plowed with my heifer, <laughs> that's a warm and fuzzy girl, isn't it? 
refer to your fiance as a cow. You hadn't plowed my effort, you never figured it out. Well, the Spirit of the Lord comes on him. He feels all this rush of strength again. Why? Because God is starting to use him. The point of God using him is to uh, start eliminating the Philistine men. The less army they have, the less oppression they can be. So, uh, anyway, the Spirit of the Lord comes on, feels all this power. He goes on to Ashkelon. He kills 30 of their guys. And then he stripped them of everything and gave their clothes to pay off the riddle. All right? And then at the end of the verse, it says, burning with anger, he returned to his father's home. So he's ticked. He is so mad. He didn't even stick around for the end of the wedding. Then Samson's wife was given to one of his companions who had attended him at the feast. Where's Samson? He went home mad. Oh, well, you have her, you know. So that's what it was. So he gives them to the best man or something. He gets the wife. Well, Samson doesn't know anything about it. Later on, at the time of the wheat harvest, Samson is, he's calmed down. He wants to go apologize. So Samson took a young goat to went and visit his wife, which nothing says I'm sorry to a woman like a goat, you know. It just very touches the heart, these, these goats. And uh, so he takes her a goat, and he sees the dad. I'm, like, I'm going to go visit my wife's room. But the father wouldn't let him go in. He says, dude, I was so sure you hated her that I gave her to your companion. And he said, look at her sister. She's better looking anyway. Take her. <laughs> so Samson is really torqued. He says, this time I have the right to get even with the Philistines. And I'm going to really hurt them. So he goes, I don't tell him God told him. But he just starts bringing torment to the Philistine people. So he goes out and he catches... 300 foxes. I've never seen 300 foxes in my life. Where do you find 300 foxes? A fox farm, I guess, is where I'd find one. I don't know. How do you find 300 foxes? Huh? He said maybe that he was really fast. And he's running around grabbing all the foxes. I don't know. It's like the spirit of God's on him. So he gets 300 foxes and then he ties their tails. He's Two of a time to their tails to tie the two foxes together, okay? And then to the uh, tails, uh, he, he tied, uh, fastened a torch. And then he lit the torches, and then he let all the foxes loose. So the foxes go running, trying to get away from him. And they're running through the vineyards and the fields, and they're torching everything. They destroy everything. Well, in verse 6, when the Philistines saw this, they were horked. And then who did this? And they said, well, Samson, the Timnite son-in-law, because his wife was given to his companion. Well, so the Philistines are mad, so their way of dealing with it is they went up and then burned her and her father to death. <sighs> this is really awful people. So Samson said, well, since you've acted like this, I swear I won't stop till I get my revenge. So then he attacks them viciously and slaughters many of them. It doesn't say how many, but I think many is a lot. So he kills a whole bunch of these guys. And... No one knows at this point what the deal is with him. He hasn't told anybody that he has this incredible strength and these, you know, amazing athletic abilities, you know, where he could, you know, kill a lion and chase down 300 foxes and, you know, and, and kill those 30 guys and now he wipes out a whole bunch of them. For all they know is this point, this is the first time they've seen him doing anything really big, killing all these people. He just figures he's a really great fighter. Lots of men throughout the Bible have been great fighters. They didn't know what had happened. Uh, so anyway, Samson goes down and he's ha hanging out in this cave. In verse 9, the Philistines went up and camped in Judah, spreading out near Lehi. So the army surrounds this area where the people of Judah, the Israelites, are freaking out, saying, why have you come to fight us? He said, we've come to take Samson prisoner. 
to do to him what he did to us. So then 3,000 men from Judah go down to the cave where Samson's hanging out and says, don't you realize the Philistines are rulers over this? What have you done to us? And he said, I merely did to them or they did to me. So he's not a terribly mature man. And, uh, and they said to him, well, we've come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. And Samson said, well, just swear to me you won't kill me yourselves. I said, okay, agreed. We'll only tie you up and hand you over to them. We will not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and led him up from the rock. As he approached Lehi, the Philistines see him, they come running, we're going to kill this guy. And the spirit of the Lord again falls on this guy and the ropes on his arms become like charred flax and the bindings drop from his hands. So he just rips the ropes like they're nothing. And then finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey. Okay. Now I get finding the jawbone of a donkey. How it's categorized as a fresh one, I don't know. He picks it up and with the fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabs it and he kills a thousand men. Now I hope on heaven they've got this on DVR because I have got to check this out. We're talking some serious kung fu here. And he's just going with this jawbone and he kills all these guys. And when he gets done, Samson says, with a donkey's jawbone, I've made donkeys out of them. <laughs> and with a donkey's jawbone, I've killed a thousand men. So this, is, so this goes on. Now, uh, we don't find out till later because of the dysfunction of the way these guys tell these stories. But this is, he's now this super bad guy, as far as the Philistines are concerned, for 20 years. For 20 years, he's just wreaking havoc on the Philistines and there's nothing they can do. Well, one day, Samson, next verse, uh, chapter 16, he goes down to Gaza, where they're all fighting today. Uh, he went down to Gaza where he sees a prostitute and he goes in and spends the night with her. See, he's not a particularly moral man. There's nothing really good about it. Here's not a guy who's really crazy in love with God. Here's not a guy who does the right things. Here's not a guy who's, who's, who's really motivated by the right things. He's just kind of a mess, a dis dysfunctional, angry guy. Nothing's going right for him. Again, classic loser status. So he goes to this prostitute, spends the night with him. Well, the people of Gaza finds out. And they say, hey, Samson's here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night, saying, at dawn we'll kill him. But Samson lay there only until about the middle of the night. Then he got up. Now check this out. He took hold of the doors of the city gate. Now if you've ever seen the movies and stuff like that, these cities were, they, these were fortified cities. They'd have these huge gates. You know, once you got the gate shut, nobody could come in or out. It's how they protected themselves from raiding bands. Samson goes out and um, he takes the doors of the city gate together with the two Posts, he tears them loose, bar and all, lifts them on his shoulders, and carries them to the top of the hill. Now, I think this is the first demonstration to all of them that this guy is supernaturally strong. At this point, all you can figure is he's a great warrior, but now this, this is like, this is nuts. No wonder nobody can kill him. Look at the strength. And again, we don't know there's any indication that he was a physical specimen at any level. But he rips the doors off of this place of the city, throws them on his back, takes them back of the hill and throws them down the hill. Whoa. So here's Samson. And he's this powerful guy, continues to bring trouble on the Philistines, starts to take the pressure of the persecution that the Philistines were giving on the Israelites. Some day, sometime later, 
says he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, which is still in the land of the Philistines. He shouldn't. He's got a problem. He's got, he's got the hots for the bad girls. He's not supposed to be around the Philistine chicks. But he sees this girl whose name was Delilah. Well, the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, because he's got this love affair going with him, and he's, she's, he's sleeping with her. I mean, the guy is at every level a very immoral man. Okay, so they come to the... To, the, to Delilah and says, listen, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so that we can tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. I don't know how many guys there were, but that's a lot of silver from each one. They're offered a lot of money. So Delilah says to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength so how you can be tied up and subdued. In other words, tell me how I can kill you. And Samson says, and he starts giving her different stories. He says, well, if anyone ties me with fresh, seven fresh bowstrings, you know, like from the bows and arrows, that have never been dried, I'll become weak as any other man. So the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied him with them. Now, Samson must have been a really heavy sleeper. You tying me up, I think I wake up, okay? So the indication doesn't say it, but he's probably drunk out of his ever-loving mind. Because over and over again, while he's asleep, they do all this stuff to him and he doesn't wake up. So he's probably totally drunk. Again, very immoral in the way his lifestyle. So she ties him up and the guys are hidden in the room and she calls out, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But then he snaps the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. And he probably kills all these guys. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Well, Delilah later says to him, you've made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come on, tell me how I can kill you. So, he says, well, if anyone secretly secures, uh, ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, then I become weak as another man. So Delilah took new ropes and ties him with that. And then men are hiding in the room and she says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But then he wakes up and snaps the ropes off of him and then probably wipes out all these guys again. Then Sam, Delilah says to Samson, all this time you've been making a fool of me <laughs> and lying to me. Where's the love, man? Tell me how you can be tied because I want to kill you. Well, he replies, well, if you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric of the loom, how do you even do that? And then Tighten it with a pin. Uh, then I'll become as weak as any other man. I don't know about that. He'd probably be cuter than any of them because now he's got a pin in his hair. I don't know what the deal is. So, or uh, am I? <laughs> Third, thank you. I keep looking up you in other place. So Delilah, oh, she told him that. Da, da, da. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head. Again, heavy sleeper. He's got to be drunk. She weaves him into the fabric and ties it with a pin. And then success in the Philistines are upon you. Of course, he wakes from the sleep. He pulls a pin from the loom with the fabric. And he probably wipes out all these guys again. So then, verse 15. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the strength of your great strength, the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day after day after day after day until he was sick to death of it. 
Okay. The first time you find out the trick is trying to kill you, maybe you misread something. You know what I'm saying? The second time you find out the chick is trying to kill you, maybe it's a communication problem and you make an appointment with Pastor Mark and you try and, try and fix that. The third time you find out the chick is trying to kill you, you really should move on. But he stays and he's under the spell of this girl. Do you know why? And all you single people listen to me. Here's why. Sex will make you stupid. It will. It'll make you dumb as a brick. Now, in a way, it's supposed to. You see, sex is the Novocaine that makes marriage possible. <laughs> numb me up, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm feeling pain here. You know, it's supposed to numb your brain. When you're married, that's how you can live with each other. But when you do it before you're married, it'll make you dumb as a brick. You want to make the worst mistake of your life? Just get all ee with each other. And I promise you, you're going to get yourself in all kinds of trouble. And all you got to do is ask the people in this group. Ask the people over at Stevens Point and around. Ask people in, you know, Appleton in the service over this morning. And you'll hear the stories of, oh, I was in a terrible relationship. It was horrible. I don't know what I was thinking. You know, they got all these stories and excuses. Ask them one question. Were you having sex with the dude? And 98% of the time, the answer will be yes. You see, that's why, my dear, you made such bad decisions. You would think single people just hearing of the terrible decisions of others and connecting the dots would stop the behavior, but they don't. It is what it is. It is sad. Anyway, he's under her spell. Sex is a very powerful drug. Hollywood tries to convince you. Our, sec our culture tries to convince you it's nothing. It's nothing. There's nothing to it. It's no big deal. Everybody does it, no, but they are lying to you. It is one of the most powerful drugs in the human experience. Anyway, he finally gives up and he tells her everything. He says, well, no razor has ever been used on my head because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had finally told her everything, he sent to the word, word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more. He's told me everything. So the Philistines, rulers of the Philistines returned with silver in their hands after putting him to sleep on her lap. Again, he's got to be drunk. She called for someone to come and shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him and his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. This is the fourth time. He wakes from his sleep. He says, I'll go out before I'll shake myself. But he did not know the Lord had left him. And then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding grain in the prison. But then the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now you're a Philistine. Pay attention. <laughs> hair, strong man. <laughs> Keep the hair short. But they're not paying attention. The hair starts to grow again. And we read in verse 23, Now the ruler of the Philistines assembled to offer great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to celebrate, saying, Our god has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. Remember, for 20 years, he's been killing off their husbands and their boyfriends and these young guys and, and destroying their army, and their army isn't strong. They can't oppress Israel anymore. 20 years, they finally get this guy. 
24, they bring out this God, and the people saw him. They praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who has laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. And while they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring Samson out to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. I don't know what he did. It's a weird way of saying it. I'm sure what they did is they humiliated him, you know, in front of everybody. And they just mocked him and laughed. When, he, when they stood him among the pillars, Samson says that the servant was holding his hand. Remember, Samson can't see. He has no eyes. He says, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so I can lean against them. So he does. Now, the temple was crowded with men and women, undoubtedly thousands upon thousands of them. And the rulers of the Philistines, all the big power brokers were there. And on the roof, there were about 3,000 men, just on the roof, men and women watching Samson. And then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. Let me, with one blow, get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. To the end, Samson is a narcissist. Everything is about him. He is a deeply broken, deeply troubled man. But the best he can get, his motivation, wasn't, you know, God, let me destroy your enemies and let me set my people free. None of that is, I'm mad about the eyes. God, answer my prayer one more time, and God does. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one, his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. Wow. And this is the end of Samson. What are the lessons? Well, the first lesson when we looked at Moses, you know, Moses was an account of being patient. Your potential for greatness is not mitigated by age. Moses was 80 years old. Or even by mistakes, Moses had killed an Egyptian. David was an account of experiencing great success but then going through great times of struggle but never giving up. Samson? Samson's an account of a deeply troubled, dysfunctional, and misguided, and immoral man. What do we learn from Samson? Number one, be careful with the gifts that God has given you. You know, one of the problems with gifts or, you know, we talk about raising kids, you know, just don't give them everything because you give them everything, they don't learn to appreciate it. Samson, you have to look at, he becomes this incredible guy for no reason of anything on his own. Doesn't show that he's ever, I mean, clearly he's immoral. He's a mess. He doesn't earn it. Has no great faith in God that we can tell. Nothing. But yet he's given all this just because. But then he doesn't respect and honor this. A lot of you have various gifts. Some of you are, you know, some of you do have athletic skills. Uh, Some of you do have physical strength. Some of you, you know, you're very good looking, you know, like Lathan and I. Uh, Others of you are, are very smart, you know, you're just, you're very intelligent, you know, while everybody in your class is studying like crazy and they get C's, you don't have to study at all and you nail every test. Why? Because you just can remember everything you heard. I mean, some of you have great strength. You just want to make whatever your strength, some musicians, some people study like crazy and they finally give up because they can't learn it. Others can pick up instruments in a short amount of time and master it. So people are gifted in various ways. Honor the gifts that you have. Honor God with the gifts that you have. Appreciate the gifts that you have. Number two, the second lesson is, when God tells us to avoid immoral behavior, be it sexual, drunkenness, lying, cheating, whatever, he's doing it for your good. He's not trying to hold out anything on you. 
And this is a hard lesson for young people to hear because you think, ah, it won't matter for me. I'll be okay. Now you are, I'm going to live forever. It's, ah, it's just a bunch of old nonsense. I'm telling you, the reason you don't want to go down these rat holes, it will hurt you. Do life right. And then finally, and an encouraging thing, God can still use even very damaged people. Even a man who made lots of mistakes. You say, Pastor, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've done a lot of dumb things. You know, there's no hope for me. There's always hope for you. Because no matter how broken you are, no matter where you're at in life, God can still use you if you'll just let him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. Help us to understand, O oh Lord God, to be grateful with the gifts that we have and to honor you with the gifts that we have and not to just take them for granted. Lord, to avoid a destructive behavior. God, not because you're holding out on us, because you're trying to protect us. And finally, we rejoice, Lord, that even when we sin, if we come to you and we ask for forgiveness, you're quick to restore and you can still use even really broken people. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day. Amen.